I think it has taken me several years of struggling to raise money to to really wise up to the fact that the traditional model is broken and you know I need to find another way. Reader revenue often gets talked up as the future of local news. But what about the people who can't afford to pay? I'm Candace Fortman, and in this episode of News Guest, I'll talk with El Tempano founder Madeline Baer about meeting information needs in low-income communities and how her nonprofit newsroom unlocked a news revenue stream by doing exactly that. Madeline, welcome to News Guest. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you, Candace. Yes, I am so happy to talk to you. We've talked a lot at conferences and, well, when those things were happening, but we've been able to talk a lot about this work. So I want to jump right into it. You know, I love Oakland. Oakland reminds me a lot of my hometown, the place where I live, Detroit. So every time I'm in Oakland, it feels like home and in these really wonderful ways through community and sort of the like the way that people embrace the city, but also in the way that folks have been disenfranchised. There's a lot of similarities in those two stories. So let's talk about the aha moment that led you to start reporting in Oakland the way that you do at El Tempano. I actually got my start in media as a kid in a youth media organization in the attic of a church in downtown Oakland when downtown Oakland was a very different place um, at eight years old. And getting my start in media through youth media really um, caused me to, you know, ask questions about who does media serve, whose perspectives are reflected in the media. And those are questions that I then carried throughout me in my career in journalism and human rights and participatory media. Um, And then I'll just say, you know, there are a number of other things, but one other factor um, that that led me to, to work particularly on media serving Latino immigrants, is that I'm not Latina, I'm not an immigrant myself, um, but I married into a Latino immigrant family and um, met my husband in New York. And, you know, spending time with my, the the folks who became my in-laws gave me a much closer understanding of inequities in local news because I just saw how clearly they had many fewer options for local news and reliable information just based on the fact that they didn't speak English or, you know, were not computer savvy or didn't have a college education. Um, So those are some of the things that got me thinking um, for, for many years about how news could better serve and reflect immigrant communities. So we talk about sustainability on this podcast, which means we're going to have a conversation about revenue. And I think that you and I have a lot of alignment around conversations on who receives media funding. So what communities do we invest our money in? And I'm talking about foundation money, corporate sponsorship money, and that sort of thing. How do you think that you've been able to make the case for supporting your audience in Oakland. And I'm being really careful about my word choice here because I've been battling a little bit about the usage of the word low wealth and low income. Um, It is a box and that means we're automatically putting that audience in a box. 
And too often when you get in a box, you can't escape it. And if, you know, our organizations are going to be the kind that start to reduce harm, then the language that we use also has to change. So I'm going to allow you to define your audience as you know them to want to be defined. I honestly cannot say that I have been successful in convincing the nonprofit news industry or funders to support journalism in um, in low income or low wealth communities. Um, instead, you know, in in my four years now of trying and mostly really struggling to raise money to sustain and grow El Timpano. Funders have told me that we can't scale, that they don't see how we'll earn revenue and be sustainable, that we're too small, um, and that journalism for low-income immigrants doesn't make an impact. You know, those are just some of the things that I've heard um, when making it to the finalist round, but not farther beyond that from from many um, potential funders. So, you know, I'm trying to focus on solutions and to find solutions, I realized that I really had to look outside of the funding models for local news. So beyond philanthropy and beyond reader revenue, um, because, you know, reader revenue has really become a a major strategy um, that that funders and that the industry and that a lot of outlets have invested in. Um, and I have absolutely no judgment, you know, a, a against reader revenue. I think it's great in that it really um, is built on a foundation of accountability and reciprocity for your audience. But I think we have to be clear that the model of reader revenue assumes that there is wealth among your audience and incentivizes you to target those audiences. Those are all things I'm thinking about all the time. So let's talk about where we were able to find revenue growth. And I think that this is so interesting um, and clearly speaks to where we were um, as a country and of course as individual communities last year. So you were able to secure a paid contract with the Alameda County Public Health Department last December. Let's talk about how that contract came to be and sort of what that work looked like when you were working with the county. Yeah, so um, this revenue model that we have developed and and really grew last year is a model of essentially earned revenue through partnerships with government agencies and other nonprofits that seek to reach the communities that El Timpano is reaching, um, which is Latino and Mayan immigrant communities with vital information um, or and or with community engagement to hear their voices and hear their concerns. Um, You know, I actually had an aha moment about this really before COVID started when the big issue, which seems so far away now, um, but there was a big story um, around the census. And um, there was a lot of money and investment to reach, quote unquote, hard to reach communities. Um, with information and education around the census. And here in Alameda County, there were um, many grants available for the county to work with um, small grassroots organizations that had 
a reach to those communities that they otherwise really struggle to reach and that are historically undercounted by the census. And so El Timpano was awarded one of those small grants and it simply supported our work to um, get information about the census, what it is, how you fill it out, how to identify a census taker, um, the sort of information that we would already want to provide, um, it supported us to do that work. And so that was really a light bulb moment that like there is actually, there are people and organizations that are invested in exactly the sort of work that we're doing. Um, they're not advertisers, they're not philanthropists, but they're primarily, you know, people working on behalf of communities and government agencies. And so it took several, I mean, it took really the bulk of last year as El Timpano um, was really working. We essentially shifted our work immediately when the pandemic started to really focus on providing um, vital public health information to the communities that we're serving, who also happens to be the communities that that have had the highest COVID rates, had the highest um, unemployment rates. And so, you know, throughout the past year, we've been providing information through our text messaging platform on everything from basic health guidance to, you know, where to get tested, what new renter protection policies me uh, mean for you, you know, where you can find food distribution sites. And um, it turns out that the public health department has funding that they want to invest to, to reach the communities that we're reaching. And so to essentially not forge a relationship would be to leave money on the table. Um, so it took several months of work and relationship building um, with, you know, not just with public health officials, but really with other community organizations so that they really understood who El Timpano is, what it is that we're doing, how our approach works, um, and to see the impact of that work, to see that we actually do have a really strong reach and engagement with communities that they um, really struggle to reach. So that's, that's how our first um, small contract with the county's public health department came about. Do you think that is a relationship that will continue as we're moving into new stages of um, our, our countrywide pandemic? Oh, yes. I mean, you know, my, my former colleague, Alicia Bell at Free Press, um, said something that, that has stuck with me, which is that, um, you know, relationship building is a slow process until it's not. And, you know, that's really the story of El Timpano's work is, you know, from developing our audience to now developing these um, this revenue model and, and these paid partnerships. Um, it has been a slow, slow going to really develop those relationships because it, you know, what it requires sitting in a lot of community meetings and coalition calls um, and following up with people. Um, but now that, you know, uh, officials in the public health department, leaders from other community based organizations, um, people within the city of Oakland, now that they know what El Timpano does um, and, and what a clear impact it's making, particularly for the communities that have been severely impacted by the pandemic, we are now getting approached for 
essentially more partnerships than we can really pursue right now. So, um, you know, there continues to be interest in, you know, reaching vulnerable communities with public health information. Um, there's also, you know, rent relief programs that the, the federal government is struggling to get into the hands of, of people that need it. Um, we're, we're in conversation with another larger organization that has a grant to essentially survey um, black and brown communities to understand vaccine hesitancy. And so um, our partnership with them could look like, you know, essentially conducting those sorts of surveys and, and surfacing from the communities that we serve, you know, the reasons that, um, that Latino and Mayan immigrants may not be getting vaccines. Hey, it's Ben DeJarnett, Communications Manager at Lime Publishers. And there's more of this episode coming up right after I tell you about NewsGuest, our very own podcast here at Lion. The goal of NewsGuest is to give our listeners really practical advice about how to launch and grow a sustainable news business, which is partly about revenue, but it's also about everything else that goes into running a strong business. Building a diverse team, finding a healthy work-life balance, doing journalism that makes a difference in your community and measuring the impact of that work. We'll be covering all those topics and more on NewsGuest this year. So go ahead and hit subscribe if you want to follow along. And now let's get back to the conversation with Candace and Madeline. So when you evaluate what partnerships you can take on as a team, um, how are you deciding what is the right amount of work to take on? And also, how do you account for the pricing? Yeah, so so when we first worked out contracts with the county, um, we developed a contract that you know, it, it is based on the number of people that we reach. Um, it's based on the number of sponsored messages, if that's what the partnership involves, sponsored messages. But it also accounts for the fact that, and this is really what distinguishes El Timpano and our model from, you know, like a traditional um, news outlet that's, you know, what, unidirectional, um, is that we can also answer people's questions. And so, for instance, with sponsored public health messaging, you know, we could send out a message about the newest mask mandate. Um, but we also know that we're going to be getting a lot of questions in response because, you know, these issues are very complex. Um, that happened a lot with the you know, the COVID vaccine. You can put out a little PSA, but the questions that may result in people's hesitancy to get the vaccine are really complex and personal. Um, and so through our two-way communication, we can answer those people's questions. Um, and so that's what we try to also account for and really educate our partners, talk with our partners through when we're um, talking about pricing. In terms of how much we can do, um, you know, we certainly don't want to get a point to a point where, you know, we are sending out more sponsored messages from community partners than our own original journalism that's based on the conversations that that we're having with our community and what they're saying to us. Um, so, so that's one factor. Um, and then right now, like we're at a point of really planning to increase our staff capacity. So really to hire a civic partnerships manager who will be solely focused on developing and implementing these sorts of partnerships. 
um, identifying ideal partners and um, thinking through, you know, in some cases it may it might require contracting with other with other people to support the work that we're doing. Um, but we are at a point when we're ready to expand our staff to to really pursue more of this. One of the things I love about this time in nonprofit news are all of the interesting and in digital news, not just nonprofits, but all of the interesting jobs that are popping up in newsrooms that would have never happened uh, five years ago in some cases. And to hear that you are hiring a position like a civic partnerships manager is exactly what I'm talking about. I think that that's such a creative way to challenge how we think about revenue. That is a very different way than anything I have heard at any conference or on any talk about revenue for newsrooms. Yeah, yeah, I I appreciate that. I feel the same way. And I also want to say, you know, that sort of pos- a position, you know, what we're talking about is revenue, but this is also extremely mission aligned. Um, so when we, you know, when we first started El Timpano and conducted a whole um, information ecosystem assessment, you know, one of the things that we found was that, you know, Latino and Mayan immigrants were not having access to the sort of information that was important to them. Um, And a lot of that information was really like resources in my community, you know, who are the service providers? Um, When do I have to sign my kid up for a summer program? Um, and, you know, those are potential partners um, who, who have the same desire to reach the, the communities that we're talking about. Um, we also learned that, you know, when there are opportunities t- for community members to raise their concerns and voices, you know, whether that's through like a survey or a town hall that a city council might organize, you know, usually the communities that El Timpano is reaching are not heard from um, because those town halls just like aren't accessible for working parents or are headquartered in police stations or places that people don't know or feel safe. And surveys, um, you know, oftentimes actually surveys are only sent to people on voter rolls, which means that undocumented people are not included in surveys or they're online. So folks who don't have a home computer um, aren't filling that out and thus their voices aren't being heard. And so that's one thing that I really love about this new strategy is that it really combines um, our mission to really create a channel of communication that connects Latino and Mayan immigrants to civic um, services and vital information and generates revenue. And Lord knows we need it. So I know that beyond the partnerships we talked about, which are revenue based, you also have partnerships with newsrooms like the Oakland side. Let's talk a little bit about the partnership that you've been able to develop with them, how that came to be and sort of how it lives inside of Oakland. Yes. Um, Yes. I've been so pleased to have a, a partner of another nonprofit news organization based here in Oakland um, to partner with. And, you know, that, that, partnership has really allowed us to achieve, you know, another part of our mission, which is to amplify the voices of the communities that we're serving, because, you know, there's, um, there's work that we do 
to, to provide people with, um, with actionable information that they can use to, to make decisions and be engaged in their communities. But we also heard from our audience um, people have said, like, we know what our issues are, but we want other people to hear them. Um, we want, you know, political leaders, we want voters to really understand the issues and concerns that we're facing. And so through partnerships with other media outlets and the Oakland side is the perfect example, um, we're able to reach distinct audiences um, who are equally engaged in local issues and who really want to hear the voices and stories of the communities that El Timpano is reaching. So um, since Oakland Side launched a bit over a year ago, we've um, co-reported and co-published um, a number of stories, all of which have come directly from um, El Timpano's conversation with our audience via SMS. So let's talk about a year from now. What does your newsroom look like? What is it doing? What is it producing? And who is working on your team? We are looking at expansion in, in a number of ways. Um, through El Simpano, you know, one that, that I mentioned is we need um, revenue generating positions to really help sustain our work and ensure that our existing staff doesn't burn out trying to wear too many hats. Um, but we are also, um, we're looking to expand our footprint. El Timpano is approaching a reach of 10% of Oakland's Spanish-speaking households who are subscribed to our SMS platform. Um, but also within the past year, we're increasingly hearing from people from far outside of Oakland um, as, you know, I guess friends and family have been spreading the word. Um, we also know that, you know, our audience members have been displaced um, and now, you know, live further out. So we're hearing from people in the wider Alameda County, but also neighboring counties and as far away as Sacramento. So we know that, you know, the, the gaps that we are filling um, in local Spanish language news and information you know, those those gaps don't stop, stop at the Oakland border. Um, and most of the content um, that we provide is is relevant to people beyond Oakland. And the Bay Area is a very fluid place. So people are constantly moving around. People live in one city and work in another. Um, so it only makes sense for us. We've decided to follow our audience and expand our footprint um, to the wider East Bay and Bay Area region. Um, so that's one way we're, we're planning to expand. And then, you know, we are also really working to build out a newsroom because we are hearing every week, um, you know, community members share stories with us. And, and it kills me, Candice, that I don't have a reporter to assign to, to report out those stories, because as you know, you know, the, the, the stories that we are hearing um, are, are not necessarily being reported by other news outlets that don't have the sort of relationships that we have with Latino and Mayan immigrants. And, um, and there is a hunger to, to, to tell those stories among our audience. Um, we are hungry to really invest reporting capacity in telling them. 
Um, and I think, you know, once we are able to, um, we will find that there's a great appetite, you know, in the wider Bay Area um, and among partnering news outlets to, to publish and really consume those stories. There's something really beautiful when you're able to align what you know are the needs of your community with the staffing inside of your building. When you're able to make that connection, there's really nothing better than those days. It feels really good. So I'm going to um, I'm going to ask you one last question before we wrap up. If you had to start over again, so go back to 2018 and start all over again, but you get to know everything, you know, right now, what would you do? What would you do differently? You know, I, I think it really does come to revenue um, and really figuring out that piece of the puzzle, because honestly, Candace, you know, when I first started Al Dimpano, it started with a question um, of like, is this thing needed? Like, is, is this idea I have in my head? Is this right? And I was very prepared to like for people, for community leaders to sell, tell me like, oh, no, like we've got that figured out. There's X, Y, Z going on. And I would have found something else to do. But every single person along the way has supported this idea has joined what we're doing. We found so much support from within the community, um, within Oakland, within the Latino and Mayan immigrant communities, um, which is what has kept me going even when we didn't have the funding for, for me to focus on this. When I had to get another job, um, you know, when the funding just never came through, um, that is what has kept me going. Um, I just, I think it has taken me several years of struggling to raise money to, to really wise up to the fact that the traditional model is broken and, you know, I need to find another way. So, um, you know, that, that is, that is wisdom that I have attained through, (laughs) through sweat, blood, and tears. Um, and, and I guess that's what I would say to my younger self. I think that is the perfect place for us to close out this conversation. Madeline, it is so wonderful to talk with you and I wish you all the best. Always a pleasure, Candice. Likewise, thank you. Newscast is a production of Lion Publishers, the only journalism association solely dedicated to helping news entrepreneurs launch and build stronger independent news businesses. Special thanks to our host, Candace Fortman, our guest, Madeline Baer, and our supporters, the Google News Initiative, the Facebook Journalism Project, the Democracy Fund, and the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation for making this work possible.